Welcome to Beards and Buckets. My name is Connor. Thank you for joining us tonight. And like always, I'm joined by Dal, the man, the myth, the legend. Dal, how are you doing tonight? I don't, I don't know what my myth or my legend is, uh, <laughs> but I am I'm doing pretty well. Uh, getting ready for my trip to Iowa. Be my I think it's my 35th or 36th state uh, that I'll get to knock off the list. Um, so excited about that. Uh, excited for the beer that I have. The the uh, like the label is really cool. Um, and excited to, to talk the team that we're getting to talk today. So overall, just doing pretty well. How about you? Doing pretty good, man. We uh, it was a nice relaxing weekend. Got to sleep. You take like a three hour nap yesterday. It was fantastic. Went down to Barnes and Noble. Got a new board game. Pretty stoked about that. So all things all things considered, pretty fun. And uh, my anniversary is tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that and maybe going down and try a new restaurant or something like that. So pretty excited and uh, been enjoying the, uh, the the basketball tournament, TBT, watching uh, Bleed Green versus uh, Wichita or Aftershocks right now in the background. So glad to have some basketball I, on. Pretty fun. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I was at a bar on mm, Friday with my dad and my uncle. We were doing like trivia and they have a, a really, really bad setup for how they have their like ordering thing set up. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but I was standing there, the Syracuse versus the whatever the like team from India was, they beat the hell out of on the first day of TBT. Um, yeah. I had like just started and this guy was standing behind me and kept like, was both narrating and like yelling at the refs, like in my ear about this <laughs> dumb like game that like he was cheering for the Syracuse team, like that he was cheering for Syracuse and not a team that is <laughs> called Bayheim's army and has like majority Syracuse players, but not all Syracuse players. I was like, bro, this you're cheering like this is the final four and Syracuse is like playing some other actual team <laughs> for the chance to win a national championship. Like, calm down, please. That's about all I've watched of the TBT yeah. stuff, though. Yeah, it's it's definitely not something I go out and like seek to put on the TV or anything. It's uh something in the background usually. But I remember last year I was celebrating my anniversary. We went to uh, Adventure Island, which is a water park here next to Bush Gardens. And uh, I was standing in the longest line ever for like food or whatever. And it was on the TV. I was like, what basketball is on right now? Cause I totally forgot about it yeah. last year. And it was Wichita and somebody else. I can't remember who was playing, but it was just enjoyable to watch. Cause it's like, it's not good basketball, not good basketball at all, but it's fun. Like I enjoy it. So uh, do with that with what you will. <laughs> I think it's funny that that's always going to be now like what is associated with your anniversary because it falls on the same time and it's like the only actual thing that we have on. Yep, yep, it's it's pretty great. I love it. Uh, my wife, I'm sure, loves it too because she knows I will not go on my way to watch one of these games. So, <laughs> uh, works out perfectly. But all right, let's jump into this beer review. What are you drinking tonight? Since you're so excited. Oh baby, um, I'm I'm a little bit scared that I'm not gonna like this one. Not because it won't be good, but because it'll be a little too uh, I don't know, just like too bitter. I guess would be the the main thing. So this I'm drinking what sounds like a food discount nachos. It is a double dry hopped India Pale Ale. 
from Hoofhearted Brewing, which is based in North Haven, Connecticut, apparently. I'm surprised there's any place in Connecticut that's big enough to have a north and a south, but that's new or <laughs> there. Um, it is 7.3% ABV. It's a pint, too. It's not a 12-ounce. It's a it's 16-ounce. It says to drink it at 46 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I don't know what the temperature actually is, but we can give it a little... We'll go here. Uh, so, like I said the other day, I think it was on our last our last show about how, uh, like double and triple IPAs were meant to break the IBU scale. Whenever you said your fun fact about what the IBU stands for, this is since it is a double dry hopped IPA, it um it doesn't have an IBU, which is why I'm a little nervous that it's going to be a little much. But we'll see how these discount nachos taste. Yeah, I mean, that hits you. Um, ooh, uh, smoothly that I was expecting, though. That's pretty good. It definitely has, like, you know, there's, like, I don't know what the term is, but I can, like, taste it at the roof of my mouth. Uh, yeah. That's pretty good, though. I'll let you go while I think of a, of a comparison, but... This is pretty good. I'm 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 impressed. All right. Uh, for me, I just can't get past the name. I mean, discount nachos. <laughs> Oof. It is a good. I feel one. like I feel like that's heartburn in a can. <laughs> no, I I'm drinking uh, Hidden Springs Ale Works out here out of Tampa. I've done a couple of theirs before. I think they did like the uh, when I reviewed one before. It was the upside down. It was like a pineapple wheat ale. Um, as Stranger Things theme, mm, but this yeah. one is called ZF ZFG. So it's a zero IBU pale ale with Citra, Mosaic, and Motuka hops. Um, so mm. it's five point four percent ABV and it's zero IBUs. Um, so I figured if I'm going to try an IPA again, it's going to be a zero IBU one. Um, but it's uh, and it's got a three point eight three out of five on untapped. So let's give this a shot. Cool can though, I will say that. The zero IBU thing seems kind of counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So it definitely tastes like a IPA, but not I mean it's not hitting you. It's not like uh the aftertaste isn't bad like I normally dislike about an IPA, so I like it. Um I mean it's not my favorite, but it's kind of like TBT, you know, the basketball tournament. Um, you know, like if it was, if it was the only thing in my fridge, sure, I'll drink it, but I'm not going to go seek it out or order it special or anything. Um, kind of reminds me of us. (laughs) No, but it's not, it's not the worst thing. Like, all right. So I got tickets or went to a USF UCF basketball game back in January. Kind of the same vibe, you know? So USF basketball, let's go with that. (laughs) which I've probably already compared before, but the green can and, you know, just like, Hey, you know, it's something to do. You're going to enjoy it. Going to have fun, but you know, it's not your favorite. That's how I feel about it. But any best, any beer is good beer right, and cool. any basketball is good basketball. It's, it's better like pizza, than nothing. baby. It's always good. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of pizza, I had a really good one. I had a really good one yesterday and, Everyone in my family thought it was, or when it was Saturday, 
And my whole family was just like, eh, it's okay. But it was like wood fired and it wasn't like Pizza Hut or Domino's. And I was like, guys, this is better than the pizza we normally get. Like way better. And they're just like, it's not filling. I was like, I don't care. It tastes way better. So uh, go ahead. What are you comparing your, your beer to? I was going to say, I feel like that because you can kind of like feel it on the roof of my mouth, like I can feel it like in my head. Uh, I'm going to compare it to Virginia because I feel like that they like to think, one, it's just smart school, but two, they like to think that their basketball is kind of an elevated form of basketball, which is very much not the case because whenever you can get beat <laughs> like 40 to 20 in a basketball game, uh, when your basketball scores can get uh, – often mistaken for football scores that is not a good thing yeah oh my god i'll never forget when people were calling for calipari's job after the saint peter's loss or after last year we missed the tournament and people actually said we should replace him with tony bennett it's like do you you don't watch basketball you don't understand the game of basketball if you want to replace cal with tony bennett like it's just impossible i mean like Uh, he's so good they win a decent amount i just personally as a fan would literally rather like i don't know do bad things to myself than i couldn't come up with a good example but would rather just not watch (laughs) the uva style of basketball i'll just put it that way yeah it's disgusting and i feel like recruits any big time recruits that kentucky has gotten in the last 10 12 years would not want to come to Kentucky or to Kentucky if that's the style of basketball you're going to play, you know. Yeah. So. I agree. All right. Yeah. Let's uh let's move on. We're covering Villanova tonight. The Wildcats of Villanova. They had a pretty uh shaken up off season after what twenty something years of Jay Wright's tenure at Villanova. He has resigned. He retired and uh, pick, handpicked his own replacement. And we'll talk about him in a few minutes. But um, they also had, you know, a handful of uh, like probably four players that saw some decent minutes. Two of them saw significant minutes. Uh, Both went undrafted and Colin Gillespie went to the Nuggets uh, on a contract. Dal, you're a Colin Gillespie fan, aren't you? Yeah, I like Colin Gillespie. I mean, he's probably the best true point guard um, in college basketball last year, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, so let, let us know about some of these other players that Villanova lost. Yeah, Jermaine Samuels, I think, is the other, like, truly big one. Um, he, I think, oops, you can cut that part. Uh, mm-hmm. He went undrafted. I think he signed with the, the Pacers. Uh, but he was the other, the other like, main loss they had. Um, Brian Antoine is is a loss. Just in terms of he was a former five star. Uh, if you listen to this, you probably remember Scotty Lewis, who um, went to Florida, and then I think he ended up getting drafted by the Hornets last year. But he and Brian Antoine were on the, or yeah, he and Brian Antoine were on the same team, uh, both like, if not five stars, definitely super super high four stars. Uh, but he ended yeah. up only averaging like 10 minutes a game and was essentially like a non-factor and transferred to Radford, which seems like a major step down for someone that was ranked so highly out of high school. But uh, they lost him, and then they lost another guy that averaged like six points, the Cosby Roundtree uh, kid that I think it 
might have even just like retired because he was hurt, right? Yeah, they they put out an article, and I, I was look, doing my research on him, and they announced in September of 2021 that he was like done playing basketball. So he didn't even see the floor last season uh, because of injuries with he's had nagging leg injuries for the last like few years, um, which is just interesting that they like he's not he didn't graduate yet. But they kept his scholarship for him, which was really cool for the school to do that. Um, That's cool. because I mean, like he did contribute some, yeah. So it's cool that they honored him in that in that regards. But I didn't mention it. Last year's Villanova team they went thirty and eight, uh, sixteen and four in conference play. They finished second in the Big East uh, overall. Like on the season, they finished sixth in the AP top twenty five and tenth in Ken Palm. So I mean, this was a decent Villanova team. It was kind of weird because. They were like, I feel like they were constantly underrated the entire season uh, because it was just like, it felt like it was just Colin Gillespie and that was it. But they had, they just had a lot of contributors and they didn't, I mean, they lost two, they lost the two big names, obviously, especially Colin Gillespie. And then obviously they lost Jay Wright, but they're returning what five, four players that average more than 20, 24, 25 uh, minutes a game. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, decent haul in returning uh for the new coming coach like to have that kind of core together i think it's pretty significant so um we we mentioned Absolutely. like the returning we mentioned them returning uh justin moore who was the guard that got injured before the final four game last year so in, in the tournament so mm-hmm. that, that was a huge loss for them in the tournament uh but he averaged 14 points at 14.8 for uh, almost five rebounds and uh two assists a game so having him coming back is huge. Caleb Daniels, uh, 27 minutes a game, 10 points a game, almost four rebounds. So Eric Dixon, he's a he's a forward. He averaged 25 minutes a game with nine points and almost seven rebounds a game. And then uh, Brandon Slater, who's a forward who averaged 30 minutes a game, he averaged 8.5 points a game and about uh, four rebounds a game. So a lot of decent returning, and then you you mentioned uh, one one guy returning average almost eight or ten minutes a game. What's his name again? Because I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris Archidiakono, who, uh, if you remember back to those, I think he was on, he was on at least one of the championship teams. But Ryan Archidiakono was his brother. Does he still play for the Bulls? I wonder what he's up to now. Um, I have no idea. See. This has him out of the league he played for the bulls and the knicks um but yeah ryan archidiakono uh got drafted in 2016 so he was on that uh those kind of like earlier villanova teams i guess he has a a baby brother that is uh (laughs) that what he's gonna be he's gonna be a senior i think right i think yeah i believe so um but yeah there's a handful of guards and forwards that are returning that, I mean, they didn't average more than two points a game, but, you know, a couple of them average almost 10 minutes a game or close to it, and then a couple of them less than five minutes a game. And then one guy, Angelo Breezy, redshirted. So, um, but just again, like we talked about last week, uh, it's nice to ha- that you don't have to go out and completely find all new players, including a bench. Um, so you can kind of work the transfer portal, even though in this case they didn't. Um, but also you could recruit to fill some holes and not fill a whole roster. No, I mean, if as as you're trying to replace the guy that has run your program for the last 20 years with 
Um, a, I mean, a coach that what has been a head coach for literally one year and was it? And is we'll talk about him in a second. But I mean, he's coming in from from Fordham, so has only coached one year at an A ten level, and he's now coming up to the Big East and taking over. I mean, you could argue the best program over the last decade. Uh, like that's it's it's nice to be able to have those four guys that have averaged all averaged over like twenty five points or over twenty five minutes to take over. Plus, looking at Justin Moore, uh, shot two hundred and twenty five threes last year and shot almost thirty six percent. Eric Dixon sh- shot thirty five threes, so small volume, but shot almost forty nine percent. And Caleb Daniels. Uh, on essentially 163, shot 37%. So, uh, you're, oh, and I mean, Caleb or Brandon Slater shot 34%, 33, 34% too. So, you, you not only bring them back guys that have a ton of experience, but also should be able to work into a similar system fit that you were running. Um, I honestly, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like that. I know a ton about the, the guy that I have coming in to coach, but my guess is if he's handpicked by Jay Wright, that he is very well versed in the, uh, and kind of like the system that Jay Wright was running. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like it would bode well. Yeah. He, Kyle Neptune is, is the replacement. If you hadn't heard, if you didn't know, uh, he played on, he played at Lehigh, um, and then he began, uh, his coaching career began 2008. He was a video coordinator under Jay Wright at Villanova. So he was on staff for that 2009 final four appearance. And then, uh, he went and coached uh, like he was on the staff for Niagara for three seasons. And then in 2013, he joined uh, Villanova staff as an assistant coach. And so in that time when he was assistant coach, he was there for, he had five big East title tournament titles and two national championships so it's not like he's some scrub some guy that jay wright knew like 20 years ago uh this is somebody that's been in the program at the height of its success and knows kind of what it takes to win a championship even though he might not have been a head coach but last year he went they went fordham went 16 and 16 in the a10 so they were eight and 10 in the conference and uh, finished eighth but like again that's one season um and, you know, like, it's not like, it, I mean, it'd be a little bit harder to get recruits to come to Fordham than, you know, he's not getting Cam Whitmore's out here, you know what I mean, at Fordham. He's 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 not getting guys, dudes like that. So I'm curious to see how he does uh, as, the, as the head guy with the incoming players that he has, you know, like on board. So let's talk about them. Uh, the biggest name, the most exciting name arguably the best shooter in this upcoming um, recruiting class is Cameron Whitmore. He's a small forward or power forward, whatever you want to qualify him as at the college level from Maryland. He is ranked 21st in the nation. uh, And he's six, seven, 220 pounds. He was Maryland basketball's player of the year, high school player of the year for, uh, for the men. And uh, he averaged like this is according to Gatorade's website. So I don't know if this is like a certain event or on the season, or what? It, but it was twenty one point four points a game, ten point six rebounds a game, and two point three assists a game. So you got a you got a baller coming in, and a, that's a heck of a first uh, first impression player to have for uh, for your first time. Well, his second time, second season head coach. What do you think? 
I mean, if he's six seven two twenty, that means that he's like a jumbo five in this Villanova system. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for real. To, not really. I say that mostly joking. Uh, but but no, I mean, yeah, it's six seven. That that's easy. Uh, big enough to be able to play small ball five in this system, uh, especially like you said with the with the rest of the shooting that we talked about around him. So, uh, no, I mean, I honestly I have only really heard you talk about him because I know you've mentioned him a couple times when we've been like talking about recruiting and stuff. But uh, but no, I mean, he seems like a perfect fit, six seven, versatile forward that can play. I mean. We have him listed here, yeah, like a shooting or a small forward, power forward. But I am only kind of half joking about him playing center. He probably could <laughs> end up working in at some small ball five minutes there if he wanted to. So just having a guy that you could play all over that front court and be able to to score and shoot and rebound, averaging almost eleven rebounds at six seven also is pretty. That's pretty good for positional rebounding there. So uh, seems like a great fit. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I'm curious to see how Neptune uses him because if we're like if we're being honest, at the NBA level, he's not going to be playing small ball five or even power forward. I wonder if Neptune's just going to be like, hey, let's let's do what's best for him. Let's do what's best for his draft stock. Let's play him more three two instead of three four. Um, so I mean, he is a good shooter, so like that's fine. It's not like you're giving it's not like you're putting an athletic non-shooter in place at at the two like he he could shoot the ball and he's really big so um it it's interesting there's some mock drafts that have him going like super high there's some that have him going super low i'm looking at um at usa today's mock draft right now they have him going eighth to the sacramento kings which would be crazy for sacramento to get another player that kind of can shoot wherever he wants and uh, do it off the dribble or do it off the, you know, the catch and shoot if he needed to as well. Um, So that would definitely help their rebuild timeline for sure. Um, So just pretty crazy in general, but uh, yeah, I'm high on this kid. I hope it pans out well for him. Um, But yeah, we got, there's a couple other players that they're, they're recruiting as well, or they recruit as well. Mark Armstrong, he's a um, 6'3", 165 pound point guard from Jersey city. Uh, he's ranked 61st in the nation. His FIBA stats were 10.7, 3.7, and 3.8. So he's no Colin Gillespie, but I think he'll be serviceable um, and not just be a total liability coming uh, into that point guard position, especially when you have Caleb Daniels and Justin Moore that can might might be able to help him out there uh, and, and carry that load because, it, I mean, those are big shoes to fill. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, Justin Moore should be able to fill in that point guard role uh, pretty easily. I mean, I I think those four guys we named Moore, Daniels, Slater, and Dixon are and Whitmore. That's probably their starting five next year. So it'll be nice if this guy gets kind of that off the bench role to let him be that third guard that works into that rotation. Kind of like let him get up to speed. Uh, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, we, I don't like it. I think, I think watching the FIBA stuff, watched a couple games. I know that wake has a guy coming in that played on Sweden's national team and seemed to just like really, really uh, show out there. I, I feel like that anytime you get guys 
we have the same kind of thought process around guys being able to or teams being able to go on their international trips and play those uh, those tournaments to just build build chemistry. I guess this doesn't really build chemistry, but like playing in FIBA tournaments like this just gives you extra experience. You get exposed to more, just another way to develop. So it's always cool to see guys like if he's good enough to play for a FIBA team, then that's a good sign. Yeah, I guess is my overall point that I kind of got to on the roundabout way. So I'm excited for him to, yeah, to be the, the that kind of third guard. Yeah. He, um, so two, uh, 24 seven sports or two, four, seven sports, however you pronounce it. Uh, they have him listed as a combo guard, Jerry Meyer. He's the director of basketball scouting projected him to be a power five starter. And this is in t- April, 2021. So, um, very he's much more has much more strength than expected he's bouncy athletic um deadly deadly mid-range is what they say and loves the crossover left to right and then uh and he he has a good he's good at finding shooters while he's on the move um they say he's not a physical defender but has quickness and anticipation anticipation and uh and he has room to improve on his rebounding so kind of prototypical guard like a like a modern day guard now um he's first in the in new jersey and uh, nationally he's 53rd uh in the in the combo guard ranking so um i mean you're not you're not going to get like a john wall or a you know or a you know whatever fill in the bouquet cunningham but you're you're not going to get a total scrub either uh so that that's encouraging it's like i said especially when you're coming off having the best point guard in the nation last year so um, I mean, it, it would probably be disappointing at first, but you got to realize how spoiled you are if you had the best point guard in the nation, you know, previous year. So, um, don't, don't, don't hate on the kid because he's still growing and learning the game. So, um, and then the last player that they have coming in, he's a four star shooting guard, Brandon Housen, uh, from Amarillo, Texas. He's six, 480 pounds. Couldn't find any stats on this kid. Uh, typically once they're outside of like the top, like 80, they don't really, you show a lot of stats, but I mean, stop it if you heard of the four. They have a white shooting guard coming in. You know, just uh, he's gonna get you a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, he had people like teams like Arizona State, Butler, Creighton, Houston recruiting him. So it's not like he's a total scrub either. I think he he knows his role. It's strictly to get buckets off the bench. Um, so yeah, I mean, not not much to say about Brandon Housen. What do you think? I mean. I honestly, I'm not going to act like that. I know a ton about him, but the schools that were offering him there, you said with his offer list seem uh, pretty, pretty solid. And I mean, Texas has really stepped up its game in terms of the amount of basketball talent that it has produced over the last few years. So cool. I mean, and it's nice. I mean, I, I feel like that I sound kind of like a broken record saying this, but I think it's cool <laughs> to be able to have guys that are, like this that come in and don't have to produce right away. Like that's yeah. the nice thing about having being able to take swings like this in recruiting is you don't they won't need him to produce. He'll be at best like the seventh man on this team. So if he doesn't produce, then they find another seventh man. And if he does, like then that's icing on the cake. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then uh, I, I put on our list here the last incoming person, Kyle Neptune, coach from Fordham, just for a little uh, SNGs there, just for fun. So they, I mean, they really they only had three players coming in. They didn't hit the transfer portal, which is 
pretty rare, but at the same time, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine returning players. So you don't need to hit the transfer portal hard when you didn't lose a whole whole lot. Um, so which is which is good for them. I mean, that's build that continuity. You don't have to worry about team chemistry a whole lot in the in the fall camp. So uh, that's good things. Good things happening there. So let's move on to the all time Villanova starting five. Dal, you wanted to do the honors? Yeah, actually, I have I have. I have I- I have one more thing on that. Uh, I was just looking at Fordham's stats to see a little bit more about um, Con Neptune. And one thing that I was really impressed by, it's obviously hard having continuity in the in the uh, transfer portal age. Um, it's just obviously super hard, especially for a an A-10 team that is changing coaches. But looking at Fordham, in 2021 they did not even have a top a top 100 uh defense only won two games they played what is this uh they played 14 games overall because they the a10 cut their season short but they were the 310th ranked team in ken palm uh in 2021 with uh jeff newbauer as their coach and then in 2022 kyle neptune takes over they their offense was still absolutely abysmal, so we're going to just disregard that. <laughs> but they uh, they did have the forty first ranked defense and were like held the eightieth best effective field goal percentage. They did a pretty decent job of turning teams over. Um, so I, I feel like the having that um, that translate. And being able to really upgrade your skill positions, especially with the kind of player that Villanova has, where like he should be able to still instill that defense that he that he clearly like made work for Fordham with much much better offensive players. So hopefully the offense can kind of take care of itself with the skill upgrade, and he can still continue that defensive continuity that he kind of establish it for them. And I mean, Villanova always has had a really good defense. So um, I think that bodes pretty well for the, the future of Villanova on top of just getting back all those guys that we talked about. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, okay. So let's do the starting five. Do you want to do the honors and hit the point guard first? Um, let's do it. We have the, the thick boy himself. Kyle Lowry. Uh, I feel like that he is kind of, at least for our generation, the the OG Villanova player because we have a couple guys later that are that are older. But when looking at this like Villanova run that really kind of started with those 2013 2014 teams, uh, Kyle Lowry obviously came before that, uh, but. I feel like he definitely has to be the point guard for an all Villanova team. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I can't stand Kyle Lowry, uh, mainly because he just uses his big butt to like hurt players like Aaron Gordon. But uh, now that Aaron Gordon's not in the magic, I guess I shouldn't have beef with him anymore. <laughs> uh, of course, this is... <laughs> he just he just has that. Of course, this is magic. Yeah, he's, he's, no, I'm, even before that, I could. I don't know why. I just couldn't stand him. I don't know. It was in the the Golden State series in the finals. Like I don't know why I couldn't stand him, but I thought it was so funny when he was the one taking the last shot 
and totally bricked it on that one game. I forget which game it was, but it was just funny because it wasn't even close. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry fan, but he does deserve the uh, the honors of being uh, the number, you know, the the starting point guard for the all-time Villanova team. Uh, he's earned that right, so I'll I'll give him his flowers for that. Uh, for shooting guard, could have gone either way here because they kind of have like I don't know, like the same. They're just they're really undersized to be small forward, but uh, in my opinion, but you know, I went with Jalen Brunson here. Um, and I think it's obvious. I mean, he won a championship or two championships, and uh, and even though the Knicks are dumb and they did this, he's also the only player in NBA history to sign a max contract deal without ever making an all-star appearance so uh you know go go Jalen Brunson for finessing the Knicks which is a long list of people that have probably done that before but uh <laughs> it's still it's still a feat that we had to mention here so yeah Jalen Brunson you go man uh starting shooting guard who is uh our starting small forward yeah, I I'd like to play this a little bit under protest because I think that our sixth man should probably be the starting shooting guard, so we can uh, we can do a poll or something yeah. for it. Uh, but I won't spoil <laughs> who we actually have as our sixth man. Uh, but at small forward, we have honestly one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's definitely like a growing star. Um, in my opinion, he's the third best player on the Phoenix Suns even with DeAndre Ayton signing there. Uh, but that is Mikhail Bridges, who, uh, does he have two championships? I believe so. Uh, I think he was on both those teams, yeah, right? So. Um, yeah, he's our small forward. He's really, really good at both offense and defense. Um, was he the one that hit the shot? No, that was uh, Chris Jenkins. That was... Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, so never mind on that. But yes, Mikael Bridges is our small forward. Yeah, and then, uh, I, I mean, I love Mikael Bridges. I wouldn't, I feel like him and Cam Johnson both, like it's not fair that Phoenix has both those guys because I love both of those guys so much. Uh, but yeah, yeah Mikael Bridges is just a fun player to watch. And definitely he's he's probably my second play, favorite player on on the Suns. So um, yeah, I'd love him. Um for our power forward, I went with Ed Pinkney. Pinkney, um, he was—I mean, they—he led an eight-seed Villanova team to the title over Georgetown in '85. So, I mean, that's no easy feat. Had to have to give him the nod for the success he had at Villanova, and he had a long NBA career too. Uh, played in Phoenix, played in Sacramento, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, Toronto. So, he kind of was a, a seasoned traveler in the NBA, but. You know, like to to be in the league that long is pretty impressive too. So, we usually only mention their. We typically mention these players' success at the school. But I'm gonna give him a nod to his success at uh in his NBA career. And then for our center, and I'll go ahead and do the center at Dow. Uh, we went with Howard Porter. Um, he played at Villanova in seven. He took Villanova to a uh, title in '71. So they lost to UCLA, but still, like, I mean, they lost to a John Wooden UCLA team. So it's not like they lost to some scrubs. And uh, I mean, he had 25 points, and he won the most outstanding game for the tournament, or, or most outstanding player for the tournament. And uh, yeah, he uh, he won the most outstanding player after scoring 25 points in the final game. But I guess it was ruled ineligible because he signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Condors in the ABA. 
uh, in the middle of his senior year. So to this day, it's actually listed as like the MOP is listed as vacated for the final four in 71, which is interesting. Uh, but then he enjoyed the bulls and the Knicks and the Pistons later on nets and all that stuff. But um, I mean, he still took him to the championship game, which is in, which is an incredible feat for him. So uh, Howard Porter is our starting center. Who do you, who is our sixth man and why? And like, let's say, why do you think they should be our starting shooting guard? Wait, what was the name of the ABA team that he signed with? The Pittsburgh Condors. That is sick. That's so cool. <laughs> do you know what's special about Condors? Specifically the California Condor, if we're being specific? Uh, no. I feel like I've heard of that, but... It is the largest bird of prey. It has like a giant ass wingspan, uh, hmm. which makes it, I guess, especially apt for a basketball team mascot. But... Yes. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> that is a good one. Maybe it's the largest flying bird. Maybe that's what it is. Because they're not like bigger than ostriches, but ostriches can't fly. Losers. Yeah. Um, anyways. Idiots. Tangent. Uh, <laughs> my company has this like thing we do for uh, for meetings where you can, there's a little button that says tangent alert that you're supposed to like hit whenever people start like rambling on about random shit that doesn't matter. <laughs> and I feel like that I was going to say we need that, but we that do would, need that. That would destroy a lot of our podcast. <laughs> you just tangent alert me all the time. Uh, anyways. Yeah, no, we need that. We need that. Especially when we had Matt on a front, big blue breakdown, we yeah. definitely needed it when he was on the podcast. That is true. <laughs> anyways, back to our starting five. Uh, yeah. So Carrie Kittles, is the guy that we have as our sixth man here. Um, I know that you shouted out Josh Hart. I'll let you talk about him in a second. But Kerry Kittles is who I think probably over Jalen Brunson should be the sixth man. Um, he So Kittles is the all-time leading scorer at Villanova, um, just beating out Scotty Reynolds, who is probably another player that we should have shouted out here. Uh, so I will do that now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that have scored over 2000 points, uh, in a Villanova uniform and Kerry Kittles is one of them. He scored 44 points in a game one time. They apparently had some dude that scored 85 points in a game in, uh, 1948, which seems a lot. That's Uh, crazy. But, but yeah, uh, all time leading scorer. He is, um, Got drafted really highly. All-time leading steals leader, too, by uh, 61 steals, which is kind of crazy. Um, he also is the guy that kind of like single-handedly uh, ruined John Calipari's tenure as the Nets GM slash coach, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the eighth pick in the 96 draft. Um, or maybe it was Keith Van Her- No, Keith Van Horn was the one that is more known for kind of uh, ruining Cal's thing because the that ninety six draft was um was an AI draft. Who was in the ninety seven draft? They took someone that year that they like ended up taking over. I don't know. I'm probably thinking of something else. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, Kerry Kittles is really good. He's probably better than Jalen Brunson. And also, like you said, with the size earlier, he's six uh, five as well. So he would do better for our size problem yeah yeah probably uh i mean not i don't hate it i probably put him there too i just 
recency bias, put Jalen Brunson there. Uh, I did do um, Josh Hart as an honorable mention. I mean, the dude won a ring, was a uh, what was it? consensus first team All American twenty seventeen, third team All American twenty sixteen. Yeah, so Big East Player of the Year twenty seventeen. Averaged like almost twenty points a game his senior year in the year that they won the tournament. So, uh, yeah, like you got to give give him his props. But I just as far as pure basketball skill, as far as actual playing. Um, playing it was hard to put pick um, Josh Hart over anybody on this list so there's that Uh, but I gave him the gave him the nod I'm not the biggest Josh Hart fan but uh, interesting enough that you know he's he's staying the he's found a way to stay in the NBA even though he's kind of like trade bait at this point for a lot of players for a lot of teams he still is contributing to some of these teams like he was contributed to the Pelicans last year and uh, now he's at Portland, so uh, give a little shout out to Josh Hart here. So I know you're you're a Josh Hart guy, aren't you, Dal? Yeah, I love Josh Hart. He he, uh, I feel like he was always one of those guys. That, obviously, Bull Bull is the first trade that you make in two K, uh, but I feel like Josh Hart was <laughs> one of those guys that was always one of those second or third trades that I would make because he always seemed to get really really good in in two K. He's just like one of those guys that, I mean, he's the seventh or eighth man in the league, but just is good at the things that you need people to be good at in terms of shooting threes and playing defense. So I'm a big Josh Hart fan. Yeah, absolutely. Three and D, baby. Three and D. Um, (laughs) So we're going to wrap things up here. Dal, do you have anything you want to close us out with? Um, Honestly, not a ton. Um. Let me actually, so there's a podcast, I think it's Thinking Basketball, but let me confirm that uh, real quick. But the, they have been doing, yeah, Thinking Basketball. They are cool because they do a wide variety of topics. Like they had a podcast the other day about like the coaching mindset and developing players. It was really cool. But they've also started to do breakdowns of summer league teams uh, and looking at, kind of all the players that are noteworthy and doing a little bit deeper dives than you normally see. Uh, so definitely want to give a shout out to them because they are doing some good stuff. Um, also, I know I've called them out before, but Dunker Spot, if you're watching any WNBA, which is actually really good, if you are looking for a WNBA, WNBA team to get into, the Aces are, I think, pretty clearly the best team in the WNBA right now. They have a ton of options, and the Dunker Spot does a lot of stuff to cover them and the WNBA in general. Uh, so if you are kind of itching for some basketball and don't want to watch the Bayheim's Army play <laughs> the Aftershockers or whatever the TVT matchups are, um, I honestly highly recommend the WNBA because it's definitely a different game, but you get to see a lot of the the kind of like tactics and stuff they're using just because the game is inherently less athletic. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's any less exciting. Uh, it is, is really fun to watch. So just, I guess, kind of call out the, the W there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, speaking of TBT aftershocks just went up. So like, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know if they were like, it was overtime, but they had to get to like the target score was set at seventy. No, it's just an Elam ending. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, I had no idea. I've never really like actually sat down and watched a full game. It's just something that I watch in passing. But the uh, whatever the green team was, I forget their names, like Mean Green or I don't think it's UNT, but um, they were up. It was like 69, 68. And then Aftershocks just hit this contested layup to uh, to to win the game. Uh, the target score is 70. That's exciting when you have a target score. Like Dude, definitely yes. fun. I feel like we got to do something more like that in the NBA. At least like make the All Star game a target score game or something like that. That would be fun, Connor. Make it a little more exciting, Connor. Do I have news for you? Because they've been doing <laughs> the Elam ending in the All Star game since 2019. What? No way. I never watch All Star games, so I. I mean, it's when there's no defense and there's just no point in competing. Like I'd never watch it. Give me like summer league games with that ending. Give me summer league games with that ending would be wild. Ooh, that's actually a really good idea. That should be like the next step. Yeah, because um, like, I mean, it's similar when they did that sudden death and the double overtime in the Magic and Kings game. So give me a summer league with that ending. That'd be so fun. Yeah, so the the way that they do it is essentially, I think it's like you start the fourth quarter the with like four minutes left or something, whatever the score is, the clock shuts off. Say that my team is playing your team and my team is up 60 to 56. It shuts off with in quotes, four minutes left, which I don't know why they wouldn't just do, or maybe it's the first dead ball or something. It's something similar like that, but it's the clock shuts off essentially. And then they add eight to whatever the leading score is. And that's the target score. So if it's a blowout and if it's a blowout and you're up 60 to 40, the target score is still 68. It's essentially impossible for the team to win, obviously still, but there's, there's no time. So it's just however long it takes you to get to that target score. And what's nice about it too. And it's the thing that they've talked about for the all-star game and it, and it does, I feel like one of the things that the Elam ending gets kind of knocked for is, Oh, a game can end on a free throw. Cause you can, you could obviously get to your, the target score, hitting a free yeah. throw and it's kind of like in quotes, I'm doing this with heavy air quotes, a <laughs> lame way to like kind of walk off a game is to hit a free throw. But the point for the Elam ending is like, well, that happens all the time. Anyway, people ice the game yeah. with free throws, but it just happens over the, a much longer period of time because you start fouling with two minutes left and you extend the game that way. So it's a way to kind of get rid of that. And it's more pure basketball and you can get a lot of exciting endings because you are kind of working to it's almost like playing like pickup and you it's like you played yeah. 21 and when it's game point like shit goes down yeah yeah people step throw. up yeah gotta get a stop here guys gotta get a stop yeah it definitely yeah. for the all-star games that you apparently have not watched literally like I don't. I said, since 2019 uh it actually like it's funny because it, the games are always like what one sixty to one fifty eight or whatever. Yeah, that's gross. But like once you get to the last like four minutes, like I feel like that they always just end up locking in, and they're like, "All right, we're actually playing defense now that we like can win this." And <laughs> the last four minutes are always kind of like really intense, actually. Yeah, no, I never watched All Star games mainly because it's like it's on Sunday nights and it's at like so late in the, in the night, fair. and I just end up going to sleep or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, I never end up actually watching it. Plus, like, I mean, when you're like Steph Curry's like pulling up from like 50 feet, which is fun. But then like, you know, like nobody's trying even 
putting a hand up. You know, how could you put a hand up when he's pulling up from like 50 feet? You know, so it's like there's, you know, it's it's not like really entertaining. I feel like it's like I feel like it's better in theory. And it, I feel like it used to be better when they actually played. But, you know, like I get why they don't. I mean, you don't want to get injured, obviously. So like it makes sense. But right. we'll we'll make a deal next time. I'll just text you with when there's four minutes left to go yeah. in the all-star game and they're hit there. They've established a target score and I'll text you and be like, yo, tune Turn in. it on. Yeah, 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 I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that'd be perfect. So, all right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Dal, thank you for sharing your insight on all things NBA and college basketball and beer. It's been fun, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on again. And uh, we'll be back. I don't even remember what team we're talking next week. I'll have to check the calendar. But in the meantime, enjoy Villanova's um, offseason, all their moves that they made, including coaching. And, uh, and, and let us know what you think about this starting five, Dal. Uh, you have anything you want to say real quick before we head out? Um, what's the what is the definition of a nova? In it's a star that's dying, right? Yep. Or no, 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 no. It's a new star that fades. So a little sad on there, but my name for this has been House of a Dying Star because Villa Nova would be that, but that apparently yeah. is not true. So. Hopefully, Kyle Neptune is not a new star hey. that fades. Or Cam Whitmore, if we want to get a player that's, angle with this. No, but Neptune has the space theme because that's a planet, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Bingo. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> yeah, that was good.